welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we talk about an incredible Chiefs win against the Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What a win, Reese. I'm so excited, so fired up to talk about it, especially after an awful loss to the Colts, which, by the way, I still am not going to apologize for on this podcast. But we are really excited on all the things that are happening in Kansas City with the Kansas City Chiefs. But before we do that, Reese, let's talk about let's talk about fantasy football. Let's just go straight to that. Let's let's forget about our weeks. and Let's just go right into fantasy football. Reese. You had the number one pick in our fantasy draft, and who did you pick? I chose, out of the University of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, running back, Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) Right. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and... um, He's been a running joke on this podcast, but but even though I joke about him, do you know who I want on my team, Reese? Who do you want your team, Armando? Jonathan from the University of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Taylor, whatever you want to call him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He, for all of you that play fantasy football, you all know that Jonathan Taylor is not doing well this season. In fact, it's not really that he's, it's not that he is not doing well. It's just that the Colts offense is in shambles and Frank Reich has no idea what's going on. Doesn't know how to utilize this offense. Matt Ryan is screwing up this entire team. The offensive line is in shambles. So that leaves Jonathan Taylor as a liability. Well, Reese has said that he is now going to entertain trades. So today on the podcast, we are going to do live trading offers. And here we go. Reese, first tell us why you want to trade him and what do you want for him? So here's the issue. Uh, we mentioned this last year that Jonathan Taylor was the entirety of the Colts offense, which was pretty safe to say. And yeah, he had a very big standout rookie year. This year, however, teams are prepared that Jonathan Taylor Thomas is really the only viable weapon in the Colts offense. And as we've seen with the 2012 Chiefs, there's only been one player, one running back in the history of the league who's been able to put that kind of fantasy points on his back with the team so anemic at quarterback and unthreatening as the Indianapolis Colts are this year. And I'm, of course, talking about Jamal Charles. I love Jonathan Taylor. Do do got to get me wrong. He's a sophomore. He's got plenty of time to grow. Jonathan Taylor currently is not prime Jamal Charles, so I cannot expect him to be putting up the numbers I expect from a number one overall pick running back in this league. Particularly, you're seeing it across the board, the number one running backs on teams, fantasy or otherwise, they just aren't producing right now. Is it possible that our friend Buffalo Mike is like, well, it's not a running league, stay away from running backs, and this is being taken to heart by a lot of team strategies right now. That being said, that is why I am planning on trying to shop Jonathan Taylor while his value is high. Debatable. Exactly, though. Exactly. (laughs) Do you think his value is going to go up as teams know that Matt Ryan has about the same amount of bite as a toothless 15-year-old Rottweiler? (laughs) As as a negotiator, I cannot tell you my true opinions about this offense, Jonathan Taylor or Matt Ryan. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All I know is I I have currently received five trade offers in our league. Five? Wait, I've given you two at least. You're saying five different, um, five different people have given you trade offers. I have received th- uh, two offers from Garoppolo, uh, Garoppolo's now. That's me. I've got two offers from Deshaun Watson, R and T, and one offer from the Washington Commies. Okay, so me, Alex, and uh, Will. You got it. Uh, Currently, I will say, uh, the one package I will take off the table right now, no disrespect to Will, great respect uh, as a GM, I've mentioned that part of the package I'm looking for is an upgraded quarterback. Right now, I have Kirk Cousins, who has a moderately high ceiling, but also a potentially low floor, and Matt Stafford right now, who has one person to throw to and is looking like age and his offensive line caught up to him. So one thing I've mentioned I'm looking for in this trade package is an upgrade at quarterback. The package from him includes Christian Watson, who Aaron Rodgers would not throw to if he was the last man on earth, 
Elijah Moore, wide receiver, and Michael Carter, running back. So as much Sorry, as I will, bad I, trade. Yeah, I respect him, but I cannot trade Jonathan Taylor for a bunch of parts I currently do not need on my team. Uh, the current offer from Garoppolo's now is that's me. <laughs> let's see here. Well, okay. Uh, to preface, I actually gave you two because as you and Alex were together yesterday, you they they kept putting all these trades that I hope were jokes. So then I, in the 11th hour, threw in um, A.J. Brown, which you'll talk about. Uh, oh, I don't see the A.J. Brown one here, actually. I've got, from you, I have Geno Smith, Alvin Kamara, and Pat Fryermuth. What's wrong with that? I do not trust plus, Geno plus, Smith. Plus. I do not trust Geno Smith in that anemic Seahawks offense to stay as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Alvin Kamara has just as many, if not more, question marks and the same problems at quarterback as does JTT. And Pat Fryermuth, I've already got Mark Andrews on my team. So I have a rebuttal for what you just said. Uh-huh. So first we have Mark Andrews, who is good. I have no argument that he's not good, but we saw last week, I believe where he was not targeted and he had actually a pretty mediocre. Didn't he have like two, three points last week? It was, it was very pedestrian. So having someone like Pat Fryermuth, who now, um, who's, who's their guy now? Uh, Pickett. Now Pickett is starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw an immediate relationship between Pat Fryermuth and Kenny Pickett. So we could see some more. Cause I think right now Pat is like ranked eighth best tight end and, and look, tight ends are, it's skimpy out there for tight ends. So it's a, it's a really nice back end one for you. Second argument. Okay. Let's say there is no upside right now for Alvin Kamara. So that's why I think that Jonathan Taylor and Alvin Kamara are not equals, but like Alvin Kamara is very similar and he is an elite running back in a, in a offense that's in shambles. So fine. I say both of them cancel each other out. Now we bring in the wild card. My favorite Geno Smith. You say this offense is not going to work. Well, I say Reese Geno Smith is going to be a top three quarterback at the end of fantasy. And mark my words, hot take Mondo here. The Seattle defense is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So what happens when a defense is bad? That means that a quarterback has to sling the freaking ball. What two quarterbacks right now are on awful defenses or oh, sorry their team has awful defenses and they're good fantasy quarterbacks that's jared goff and that's geno smith they both have awful defenses and they have to sling the ball and geno's doing that and making a great relationship with will disley and dk Metcalf. and he can run which is also we know from jalen hurts last year that is an attractive fantasy quarterback I love your passion, but can you in all honesty tell me that Geno Smith is a serious, considerable upgrade from Kirk Cousins, who also has a pretty bad defense, far more weapons, and a better track record of putting up fantasy points? Yeah, because sometimes good weapons does not translate into fantasy production. Like if you look at Tom Brady, like Tom Brady, he has Mike Evans, he has Godwin, he has Julio Jones and Tom Brady's like, I don't know, uh, fifth, like QB 15 this year. And he's still throwing, right? I forget how many points he had for the Kansas city game, but it wasn't a ton, but he threw over 300 yards. So if you can't get into the end zone, right? Even if, even though you have uh, Justin Jefferson, you have Adam Thielen. Um, but if, if Dalvin cook and Alex Madison are getting the goal line work, it doesn't matter that Kirk cousins is throwing 400, 500 yards per game because he's not getting the points from, from touchdowns. So yes, Geno Smith is more attractive than Sir Kirk cousins, but that actually doesn't matter. Reese. What is Alex giving you that is more attractive than Geno Smith? Uh, in a one for one trade. I have been one for one. I have been offered in exchange for Kirk Cousins and JTT, Justin Herbert and Joe Mixon. Huh? That's pretty. That's pretty hard to turn down. (laughs) And I would like to invoke the Ten Commandments of fantasy football from a previous episode, and one of mine was: Do not veto trades just because you do not like the trade. If somebody wants to reach for a player like JTT, who is also from their home rooting team, you can't veto that because they want to reach for the player. This is not an awful deal. I'm getting a, I'm getting an upgrade at quarterback and a downgrade at running back in terms of ceiling potential, but. 
it's kind of the flip side for him. He's getting a slight, well, a considerable downgrade at quarterback. Kirk Cousins is probably, I think he's about 17, 18 points per game instead of 20, 21. But he's getting a higher ceiling running back than Joe Mixon on a running back feature team in JTT. I actually, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> right now, live on the podcast, I am going to decline my trades and let you make that trade because I think that's a bad trade for Alex, and and I like to see Alex fail. Don't why you reverse psychology you, this? Why why would you trade Mixon? Mixon's having a year, and like Joe Burrow's not working. He's not throwing the ball. So, I, dude, accept that trade. I'm sorry that that is an awful trade for Alex. <laughs> I'm going to decline my trades right now so you can accept that trade. <laughs> then you know what? I'm going to take Armando on this. No! I am going to pending moves. Uh, Joe Mixon, Justin Herbert for JTT. Oh, Kirk sorry. I, I, I just wanted to make sure you weren't going to like reverse psychology me and take my trades. Because no, no, I no. did at the 11th hour. I thought I threw in. Yeah, I did a straight up AJ Brown, Jonathan Taylor. But I'm canceling it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm also canceling that other one. Okay. Joe Mixon struggled a couple games this year, only recording nine points against Dallas and 5.3 against the Jets, but he's also had 18 against Pitt and 15 against Miami. He's Dude, still, I, I like I like Joe Mixon, honestly. Yeah, I think, I think he's got a fairly high ceiling to him. Uh, they'll have a tricky schedule, but I do need quarterback help. Uh, with Dobbins coming back from injury, and he had a pretty decent showing, uh, JTT is not lighting it up. I'm not saying he won't light it up sometime down the road, and I might not regret this trade. Uh, but on the podcast right now, I'm going back because, like, because look at okay. I I just want you to look at like Joe Mixon. Okay, so they they had a fluke, like he had a fluke game against the Jets, but even against an elite Dallas Cowboys, he sc- he scored almost 10, 10 fantasy points, and that and that front four against an awful. Bengals offensive line front four. Um, he still almost scored ten points. So I think the ceiling, like, like at least you have a surefire person in Joe Mixon. Maybe he's not going to score thirty points like Jonathan Taylor might at some point, mm-hmm. but you're going to get consistency where Alex is not right because like there there is no reason for us to believe that Jonathan Taylor is going to do well. I'm sure he will. Like 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 I also want you to know that Reese, but um. Before you make this trade, Jonathan Taylor will have games this yeah. year mm-hmm. that are going to make you cringe. Yeah. He is going to have a 30 point game one point at some point. But I don't know. I like Joe Mixon. I think if like if we were redrafting this year, I think Joe Mixon would be maybe the fifth pick for four or fifth pick because running backs suck this year. Like you said, like you said in the, at the beginning of the podcast, I think. And this is actually a Chiefs point. I think that finally the 2019 Chiefs offense is being simulated by everybody else. It took them two years to figure out what, or sorry, three years to figure out what that 2019 team looked like. And now they are starting to implement that, which means not a lot of running back play. The irony is that the Chiefs have evolved from that 2019 team and now are going back to the running game, which is funny. But yeah, I think there's there's not a lot of good running backs. So Joe Mixon, even though Joe Mixon is like not, you know, super elite because there's not a lot of people, he is technically elite. And the very last thing I'll run by you just to confirm this before I go too crazy. My running back core still consists of J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Green, uh, this would add Joe Mixon. Antonio Green. <laughs> sorry, Antonio Green. What am I saying? Uh, Antonio Gibson, Gibson. I'm sorry. Uh, and I have Isaiah Pacheco sitting in the wings, who could be a decent support back, as we'll get to later on. Yeah. But I don't feel like I'm hamstringing my running back core by getting rid of Jonathan Taylor. No, because because Joe Mixon is still a top ten running back. He is still within. I would maybe he's not top five because of explosiveness, but you're gonna get consistent play. It's not like he's a dud. J.K. Dobbins is is the one to look for, though, because if J.K. Dobbins comes back and is consistent, then you might have a top five running back in J.K. So J.K. and Joe Mixon is a very good running back core. And we'll talk about Pacheco. If I, I think C.H. keeps his job, but yeah. in the case that he gets injured, he is a uh, I, Pacheco can be a shoe in fantasy top 15 running back for sure. 
All right, let's go pure chaos mode then. I'm going to accept this trade while the podcast is being recorded. Wait, 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 and wait. Before you do that, before you do it, let me just look at Justin Herbert because I'm actually kind of concerned about Justin. Well, my only concern about Justin Herbert too is the fact that oh, he's, he's that still a top. He's a top ten quarterback still. Oh yeah, I think he's a top five quarterback right now, isn't he? He's well, ranked he's seven seventh. right now on fantasy football yeah. or on ESPN. Looking up his looking up his uh, stats for the year right now. He's at he's had two games of twenty three, one game of twelve, which was against Jacksonville. They lost in the game of twenty one. Jacksonville and Jacksonville is starting to formulate that they have an elite defense. I think yeah. it's something that we didn't think about, but I think as the season progresses, we're going to say that Jacksonville is a good elite defense. The other thing to remember too is that they are playing that third place schedule. Uh, the only thing that concerns me about Herbert is that fractured rib cartilage, uh, but it does not seem yeah. to have slowed him down just yet. So, and look, if if you have if if that does slow him down, I'm gonna have Geno sitting on my bench because the irony is I'm actually gonna start Carson Wentz still. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, you have Carson Wentz uh, on your team. That's uh, wild. Honestly, I still like Carson Wentz. If you look at the two games that he that he just played, that he got dominated, was against elite defenses. So I still have a lot of faith in Carson. I think he just had two bad games and everyone like thinks about the Carson of old. He's still really freaking good. So just know, Reese, I always have Gino in case you want him. I will keep that in mind. All right. As as Make they say, the trade. Make fortune, the trade. fortune favors Matt Damon. And while we are recording this podcast, I'm going to accept this trade. Pull up our group chat in a different window and watch Rome burn. <laughs> trade offer two. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Actually, as as we as we go on this podcast, any like fire texts we can we should just read live. We will. We absolutely will. Offer <laughs> accepted. Wow. The trade yeah, has been honestly, accepted successfully. Like I, you know, I am a little more conservative than you. I probably would have kept. I mean, I actually do have Jonathan Taylor in another league. I just keep him just in case of boom and bust. But I don't know what your record is, but. But we are here to win. You know what I mean? Like we're we're yeah. we're not here to be conservative. You know that you're getting someone a surefire top ten running back and a top ten quarterback. So you remember those are important. So it, good. It's it's tough because I'm three and one and second in the division behind oh. David on point differential. However, I have won some squeakers, and I think the point differential is eventually going to swing back in the other direction. It won't sustain. Uh, I want to check check the the league home. I want to see what my game's been so far. Yeah, that was that was a good trade, Reese. I appreciate you. I appreciate you being Alex, so pragmatic. I mean, uh, well, and because now now I'm gonna now I'm gonna tease Alex a little bit. Alex, if this doesn't work out, this will be the worst trade in fantasy football history if this does not work out for you. Because Jonathan Taylor, now now I'm gonna speak poorly about Jonathan Taylor. He's coming off of injury. He's actually he's actually been a robot. He's never missed a practice in high school and has never missed a practice in the NFL. And this week was the first time that he he missed practice and the first time in his entire career as a as a running back from high school college and now that he's ever missed a game so who else does this sound like reese this sounds like christian mccaffrey who was also a robot but then at a certain point his body started to catch up with him and it is possible for jonathan taylor this will happen to him as well so boy what a risky trade for alex the rad Russian. It is. It pays off. Uh, he now has Neam Hines and JTT on his team, which I think will be good. He'll be, oh, he'll be smoking up all the rushing from the Colts. Uh, to my point earlier about... Although, do you, although, do you know who just got activated right now from the, their practice squad? Who's that? Philip Lindsay, who Ooh. used to play for the Broncos. And who are they playing today? The Broncos. Them Broncos stonkos, baby. Uh, that's impressive. I, I look forward to seeing what happens to Alex's team. He's very competitive. I like the lineup he has. I think I think this is a mutually beneficial trade. Uh, last thing I'll say, and then I'll shut up about my fantasy team because nobody cares after 20 minutes. Uh, to the point I was making about I think the scoring will eventually catch up to me. Uh, I have won three games this year scoring under 100 points, scoring 96 or fewer. I do not think that is sustainable. I think my team needs a shot in the arm, and I think having a better quarterback and a still pretty high-floored running back is the way to do it. To be Just for an example, Armando, the week that we played, and I let me pull this up. The week we played and I beat you was week one, correct? Uh, you scored 96-6. I would not have beaten you any other week I've played except for week one. I have not scored 96-6 in any week but week one. So, wow. The, the team, I'm a bit of a paper tiger here. We're retooling and uh, making, <laughs> making some trade deadline moves.
Also, breaking news while you were talking, someone dropped Elijah Mitchell. What? I I just snagged him. Sorry. You snagged him? Uh, while we while <laughs> we did that. Talk- <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, you should go check the player history on him. See where he's at. I just I just got a running back one in week seven now. Uh, also, while we've been talking, I have snagged uh, backup Samaje Perrin from the Bengals. So I oh, have P, some yeah, Joe yeah, it's, it's, it's good to have P. Ryan, actually. Yeah, that was good. Oh, it's P. Ryan? I, I can't say I know. Name. That's weird. No, I mean, Perrin is, Perrin is logical. Because yeah. it's P-E-R-I-A. N E P so why it's P Ryan? I don't know, but that's just what people say. And I, and I and I'm Welsh, so Perrin is a very Welsh name. Uh not spelled like that, but it's it's my genetic P coming out. Ryan. Stop being so anyway, so- whoever whoever just dropped Elijah Mitchell, thank you. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, because I was I was I was just looking to see what your trade like went through, and then I was like, wait, what the hell? Wait, hold on. Did I drop Elijah Mitchell when I picked up a... Uh- <laughs> Perrin? I don't know, but he's mine I, now. <laughs> it's very possible. Let me check. Let me check. Where, where's he from? Is he the Jets? No, no, he's uh, he's 49ers. He's so he's oh. injured. I lied. I dropped Nelson Aguilar to pick up, uh, oh, and that's fine. Okay, I was just like, oh crap! Nelson did I Aguilar do that? sucks. Did I do that? All right. Well, let's get into it, Reese. Did I do that? That's what Patrick Mahomes was saying as he watched Twitter all night, watching him zip, zip, zag, zink, zonk, zunk, zank into touchdowns on a Sunday night. Reese, what a freaking game we had. The Kansas City Chiefs on a Sunday night went on the road and got revenge against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for beating us in the Super Bowl. We whooped them. 41 to 31 and if you did not watch the game that might seem like a close score but ladies and gentlemen it was not close at all so reese let's go back and forth how about i start this one just because i'm really fired up about our boy sir patrick mahomes this dude came in here reese having uh, having nightmares about this defensive line I'm sure he did. And especially after a Colts loss and what our offensive line has looked like against the Chargers and the and the Colts. I'm sure every night he was just, oh no. Oh no. The this the Super Bowl of old. The Super Bowl of the past is coming back. What what will happen? But Patrick Mahomes said, watch this. Man, I am so fired up. This guy is the best quarterback in NFL history going up against an elite defense like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that decimated him. And it's pretty much the exact same defense. Yes, they got a couple years older, but they're still incredibly good. Vita Vea still there. Levante David is looking like a um, like a MVP contender this year, but that all didn't matter. I mean, he stayed in the pocket when he didn't stay in the pocket. He was zinking and zunking. There's that one play where he gets sacked and he's pump faking while he's getting sacked (laughs) like who who does that who pump fakes and then and then is still able to like make a play and throw it to juju smith schuster and then of course we have that other play where he is on the goal line uh does the spin move does a little toss to ceh we also have him doing some acting for us as well where he's telling tyree kill on the goal line as well move 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 and then blake bell does the qb sneak and then we also have some deep shots to uh, to to MVS. I mean, we're seeing this offense just work perfectly. And sometimes I think the Chiefs kind of take a day off against some some teams. And maybe that was the case against the Colts. Look, maybe maybe that offensive line just like was like, oh, whatever. Look, OBJ did, still didn't look great, but he was a little bit better. But that front three, that front interior is still the best interior in the NFL. And there is no comparison. So everything was firing on all cylinders, but it started with Patrick Mahomes, who didn't have any fear during that game. He dinked and dunked. He went to the slant. He fired things off. I mean, that offense, man, the the 50-50 with with CEH with Pacheco and then being able to throw it over the defense because they're playing in the box. I mean that is that is championship football Reese. Hot take Mondo. The Chiefs are now the team to beat in the NFL. You have to go through them to get out of the AFC. I'm looking at you Josh Allen. We're ready for you. Uh that's 
a very impressive way to state all those things. I'm at a loss for words right now because I have like a million different things I want to say and I want to make sure we talk about while we're on this. Uh, let's let's start with the last thing you said, the Chiefs are the team to beat in the NFL. I still think uh, Buffalo, Buffalo is up there, but I would say at the very least the gap has been closed. Where I think there were some question marks about what the Chiefs ceiling would be. Uh, with all respect to the Bills, the Bills have beaten some good teams this year. Like the win against the Ravens, uh, they did not look impressive, but it was impressive to beat the Ravens. It's not an easy dub. Sure. I don't. I'm not sure there is a team in the NFL who has a better win right now than us going into Tampa and obliterating that defense. Um, I agree with what you said. Uh, it's a very good defense. Uh, Shaq Barrett is going to have to eat an entire Hitchcock films worth of crow right now for <laughs> laughing at our offensive line. Uh, I think. The one thing we haven't talked about is they, they no longer have JPP on that team. And I think that's a bigger loss to that defense than they like to admit. But as you alluded to, uh, I am very stingy on using this word. But after this game, I can clearly say this. When, when they play up to their ability, the Chiefs' interior offensive line, I'm talking Tooney, Humphrey, and Trey Smith, that is as elite of an interior offensive line as there is in the NFL. Yep, and no one can beat him. Now, uh, I do think Orlando Brown Jr., with more fault, and uh, Andrew Wiley are still both turnstiles, by and large, which is concerning. Uh, but when we're able to establish the run in this game as the way we were, thanks to the interior line winning all of those matchups, dudes like Pacheco, who's a rookie, were just be able to run hard and run hard really hard. And guys like Clyde, who, as I said, if you can just do your job hit the holes and get your yardage. I don't need you to be JTT or Jamal Charles or any of these wild, wild running backs. Just do your job. And look what happened when everyone did their job. Absolutely. Yeah, and actually, I want to shout out Wiley. I never saw Wiley get super blown up. We saw some blown up plays by by Orlando Brown, but I am actually not nervous to have Andrew Wiley um, as that right tackle going into the playoffs. I'm actually cool with it. I think the only liability right now is, is OBJ because Wiley's already been matched up against some very elite talent on, on that right side. And we've seen him do well and produce. So I'm actually cool with, Hey, let's, let's keep him there. Of course the bills and like Von Miller coming at him was going to be the biggest test. Uh, which we'll see in a few weeks, which I'm very excited about. Actually, this week too, this week against the Raiders, you know, we're, we're, uh, they they have a lot of great um, uh, great pass rushers on the left side, or uh, sorry, on on our right side. So I'm okay right now to have Andrew Wiley there. I think it's just OBJ that I have some issues with. You know, I, I want to say this. Uh, I think Andrew Wiley, to an extent. Yeah, you can look at this any way you want. Andrew Wiley, to the extent, I wouldn't say he's a liability. I would just say he's probably, you know, the weakest link in terms of ceiling. It's kind of like if you go back to like the 94 Bulls and you're like, there's Jordan, there's Pippen, there's Rodman, there's Kukoc, and there's B.J. Armstrong. It's like, who are you going to attack offensively and defensively on the team? You're going to attack B.J. Armstrong. It's the same thing with Andrew Wiley. It's like, you're going to attack Andrew Wiley from the right side with your best edge rusher all the time because he's the weak link. Now, Orlando Brown Jr., uh, he is easily the coup coach in this situation. However, coup coach usually played pretty well. Uh, OBJ's looked really bad. Uh, I'm just going to say he's looked really bad. I know there's mm. talk that he's got a lingering knee issue. Uh, but if that's the case, then uh, he should not be playing because he is getting beat super bad around the corner by anyone with an ounce of speed. Uh, as I think I mentioned in the group chat, you know, Frank Clark's got his signature spin move that fools no one. Uh, OBJ's signature move is like the double tap on the shoulder pad as the guy goes around you. That's like, that's it. It's too in touch. Yeah, I, I'm very frustrated with that. I think we saw at the end of the first half when they were going for that Hail Mary attempt and Wiley and OBJ got beat by a three-man rush. Uh, yeah. That's that's not good. But uh, no, so long as... So long as they can keep Pat on his feet, which is really funny because believe it or not, I didn't realize this until I saw the stats. Did, were you aware Pat was sacked three times in this game? Um, No. Had you told me Pat was sacked three times in any of the three games we played so far, I would absolutely believe you. Pat was getting knocked down all the time. And we talked about that in the Cardinals game even. But 
by and large, Pat was on his feet and not running for his absolute life in this game. You know, when they when they sent Heat, they got home three times, but I was not grimacing and like, how many more hits can Pat take before he gets Andrew lucked into submission? So Yeah, no, I mean we're we're definitely not at the point where we're Andrew Luck or Matt Ryan, like that Colts offensive line. And I, I and Pat is being very smart with the ball since since he got injured, what was it, two years ago against the Colts, right? Where we were doing the QB sneaks and uh, where he wasn't sliding. I mean, Pat has been very smart when Pat runs with the ball. So I have no qualms with Pat if he does decide. And that was a big a factor of the game as well. Is like we saw him under the gun and he was either going to uh, hand it off to CEH. He was either going to do a quick pass or he was going to run, which which puts the defense on their heels, right? Because we had that extra, I don't know how many rushing guards Pat had, but that was a huge factor in the game, right? That he can that that he can dink, dunk, zink, zunk, and then also run and make great plays. So with that third option, right, they have to keep him up, but Pat also does a good job keeping himself up, right? He can he can get out of the pocket and make a play, and that's like extremely rare. Only him and Geno Smith can do that, Reese. Sheeper, Geno. <laughs> you hear Geno Smith talk. Uh, while, speaking of which, uh, while I mention it, the first the first uh, comments have been coming through on the chat. Yeah, I and, had to uh, kick, kick, kick the tires on that one, make sure everyone starts chatting. Yeah, people are actually in favor of the deal. They think it's pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, fair. it's a good it's a good trade, and now I'm going to talk some crap. Here you go. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this podcast, uh, you will experience this trolling secondhand. But if you really enjoy listening to this podcast, don't forget to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM, where you can find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews, as well as our current 10-part deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise named Speedy and Angry. Episode 6, Fast 6, is now streaming online for patrons that donate even $2 a month. That's the price of one Starbucks cup of coffee. A big shout out to our patrons who are listening. We very much appreciate your support. Uh, We are in talks on using some of the money we have been donated for SEO advertising and to get our content in front of more eyeballs. So thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, and we appreciate every single one of you for donating, as well as every single one of you for listening. So Armando, what do you say in the group chat? All right, <laughs> I'm just I'm just causing havoc right now. <laughs> I said good. I said good trade for Reese. He told me about it, and I took back all my trades. Bad trade for Alex. Rip Alex. He just he just lost a top five quarterback and a top five running back. JT is running back twenty two. You know what? Uh, hang tight. <laughs> hang tight. This this is not me. This is just because you're here. I'm going to do this so you know I'm not trolling you. I just think it's funny. Uh. Mm-hmm. oh yeah no we can look look everyone well actually i don't want to give away my like my my persona on the chat so maybe i won't tell everyone when. Hang tight. <laughs> this I, is fun though this is fun for me i gotta pull this up uh okay oh and look at look at sam fighting back sam like mixon's only running back 16 uh, which we talked about in the beginning of the chat i mean that's that's fool's gold Okay, one second, and we're going to do this, and this is just because I am taking Armando's trolling to a fourth dimension of trolling. Like, all right, to 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 be fair, if, if JT comes back, then he wins the trade, but he has to come back. <laughs> he told me about it, I <laughs> Armando's trolling reads like a Trump treat, Trump tweet. So uh, I just had to put that in context. It's actually what I go for in this chat. That's pretty good, dude. I love Armando. Armando's trolling in this chat is pretty S tier. Oh gonna, man, <laughs> we have some pretty high level trollers in here. I mean, don't 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 put this don't don't put this in the chat. But like, I literally could give a about. I could give a about. Reese wins the trade. Nukes Armando. What a day. Uh, I would never nuke my buddy Armando. This I know. Is, well, and that's the thing. Like the, trolling. What 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 we have to do, like, for this chat to stay alive. I'm I'm cool being the sacrifice. <laughs> Pulling strings from the shadows. Uh, anyway, so speaking of Armando being S tier troller and in a class of his own. There's something that's been on my mind that I want to bring up, speaking of Patrick Mahomes. 
Uh, you alluded to the fact that we saw some things that we had never seen before, like Pat pump faking as he gets sacked. Uh, when that play happened, my mind immediately went back to the left-handed pass against the Broncos his first year starting, which in my opinion is the number one underrated Patrick Mahomes play of all time. I'm not saying it is the number one Patrick Mahomes play, but when people talk about like Pat's three to five best throws, it is shocking to me how often that throw is not included in that conversation. You know what throw I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about the third and nine throw against the Broncos. Pat's first year starting. He rolls out to the left. Von Miller's chasing him down. Rugby tackles him. And as he's going right, down, throws it left throws it. Yep. That no. is an underrated throw that is too often criminally left out of top three to five Patrick Mahomes. Lists. Yeah, and 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 people have to remember that that was his first start ever. Like, first start ever against an elite person that's sacking him. Totally. Uh, so the pump fake throw that you were talking about when he got sacked, I immediately got visions of that. And I'm like, oh, that's like, you know, you've created an NCAA ESPN instant classic moment. I'm like, that's, that's a, a Pat classic going in his reel. I'm, I'm so happy there was one of these in this game. Just a quarter later, we see what is now going to be a legendary play where Pat has nobody open in the red zone, rolls out to the right towards the pylon, spins out of a defender's tackle, tiptoes the line of scrimmage, and does like this push pass that's still a spiral to CEH in the back of the end zone. Unbelievable. And when that happened, I'm like... I'm getting visions of the run against the Titans in the 2020 AFC title game where Pat runs the sideline, does the spin move, hits the tackle, all that stuff. We we know that play. So I'm just like, this is incredible what we're witnessing tonight. I'm like, none of this feels fluky. This does not feel like backyard, you know, just like screwing on football. Like, I'm just going to throw a prayer up here. It's all very intentional. Now, who does that remind me of in a different sport? Marcus Mariota. (laughs) Different sport. (laughs) Uh, okay, that can that kind of goes. Um, I don't know if it's the obvious one. I'm going to say Steph Curry. Bingo. Uh-huh. Pat- Patrick Mahomes is the Steph Curry of the NFL. And what Steph does on offense has never been seen before. But I honestly believe that Steph has a purpose for everything he does. For all those stupid three point shots that he pulls up from the logo. I believe he believes he can make that. And he has enough evidence that he can make that. We have no reason to believe Steph cannot make that. Anytime he throws something crazy up or does something crazy, you believe Steph works in mysterious ways, as does Patrick Mahomes. I'm I'm going to continue and further your analogy. I actually think I'm going to steal this from another podcast I was listening to, so uh, I don't take credit for this. But they also compared... Um, Patrick Mahomes to Steph Curry, but but in the way of his attitude as opposed to his gameplay. So when Patrick Mahomes is not playing well, it is consistent with his behavior. Like when Patrick Mahomes is not playing well, he's not having fun on the field. And it's very businesslike, which is not how Patrick Mahomes does things. That's how Tom Brady does things. That's how Aaron Rodgers does things. But Patrick Mahomes plays well when he's having fun. And that's what Steph Curry does as well. When Steph Curry improvises, when he dinks and dunks, like that is the same thing that Patrick Mahomes does. Mm -hmm. So it is consistent that when Patrick Mahomes is having a good game, it's because he's, he's, he's free balling out there, right? He is, he is just improvising, having a great time. And that is the Patrick Mahomes that we saw against the bucks where like, even when something is broken up, there was no fear. He knew he could pull a rabbit out of his hat. And he did. There is no, you cannot beat the Kansas city chiefs. If you do beat us somehow, it is because we beat ourselves. You cannot actually anymore, the Buffalo Bills, the Ravens, any smart, nerdy head coach cannot game plan against Patrick Mahomes anymore. If you do beat us at some point, it's because we beat ourselves. I take Mondo. I agree. Uh, Here's the other thing I want to talk about, too. Now, I know that I've, you know, kind of like I've said other things about Steph Curry on different podcasts that you'll be like, oh, Reese is contrasting himself. He's being a skip Bayless right now. No, I've always said I've always said that Steph Curry does things on offense we've never seen before. Like I've yeah. gotten his defense and the other aspects of his game, keeping him out of being like an all-time player. Right. Uh, yeah. But this is different because in football you only you know play offense or you only play defense. We're, we're past the days of Deion Sanders and, and two-way players. Uh, so. Speaking of Steph Curry, I am also not saying that Patrick is the greatest thrower of the football of all time. Uh, Just like I don't believe Steph Curry has the greatest jump shot of all time. 
if I'm teaching my kid how to throw a football and play quarterback, I'm having him watch Aaron Rodgers game film. I still Fair. think I still think uh, Pat can make throws at insane, stupid angles, just like Steph can do with jump shots. But I think in terms of like right, throwing a ball, you don't want to teach your kid right how to side sidearm. Exactly. And Armando, whose jump shot am I going to teach my kid to emulate? Ray Allen. Bingo, Armando, two for two today. <laughs> you, you and I know each other too well, man. <laughs> exactly. And if I have kids saying, you know, why am I learning this jump shot? I want to pull it up and just, you know, shoot it from my chest like Steph. And I'm like, are you Steph Curry? Does anyone else done what Steph Curry does? No, you're going to play like Ray Allen because a lot of people have done what Ray Allen does. He was just the best at doing that. So yeah. go for the safe stonk portfolio in this case. Aaron Rodgers throwing the football, maybe even playing quarterback, but Ray Allen jump shot. Yeah, no, totally. I, I I absolutely agree with you. And that is the again, that's the reason why you you can't plan for Patrick Mahomes, because you don't know. You don't even know what style. You don't even know what arm he's going to throw with. Yeah. I mean, that that's exactly. how crazy Patrick Mahomes is. And that's why, again, my point, you can't plan against him anymore because we don't have Tyree kill. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not going to go to him. And even if he goes to Travis Kelsey, you still can't stop Travis Kelsey. We saw that on, on the very first play, Reese, or yeah. on like the first 40 seconds of the game where we still like there was three guys around Travis Kelsey and he still was able to make a touchdown on that play. Incredible. Also, Alex just said Armando will never get inside my head. I will stand by this trade. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's Dude, pretty every good. every single week, I am going to go through Jonathan Taylor's stats and just pick him apart. Jeez. <laughs> oh, the new Jonathan Taylor segment, horsing around. Actually, wait, what 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 week is it? This is week starting week five? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. First troll tweet of week five. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, last thing I will say in regards to uh, Patrick Mahomes and Steph Curry, do you... Do you think that it's unfathomable that it's late in the game, it's do or die, Steph is being run towards the outside of the arc, he has to get a shot to beat the clock, that he shoots it left-handed and makes it? Yes. Yeah. As in, like, yes, he would do that? Yes, yeah, he would do that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I I rest my case on Patrick Mahomes and the Steph Curry comparison. Uh, I think there are still a few things I'd like to talk about, though. This, this yeah, let's uh, do it. Actually, game. Risa, I was going to throw this one at you. Um, was this the coming out party for Isaiah Pacheco? <sighs> Man, I want to say yes, but like watch him go back to getting like, you know, two touches for five yards this next week. Uh, I think this showed this showed the difference between Pacheco and Clyde Edwards Alaire. Uh, I'm going to pull up the box score for this one just so I can, you know, have some actual factuality to my arguments here. Uh, sure. And and while you while you pull it up, I think I'll just add to it really quick. I think it's fair now that Pacheco is at least running back number two and he's surpassed Jared McKinnon. I haven't seen Jared McKinnon. And I mean, yes, we've seen a couple carries, but he is moving up the depth chart. I mean, we were even talking about Isaiah Pacheco being running back number four. And now we're we're only in going into week five and Isaiah Pacheco is already um not surpassing CEH, but is already an equal to CEH, which says a lot. But go ahead, Reese. I, I agree. I, th- I think we're going to see Jarek McKinnon being transitioned more into a role-playing running back uh, position, which I don't think is a bad thing. I still think he has a lot. No, it works lot. for him, yeah. He has a lot of value. McKinnon's still good. He's really good as a pass-catching back, a screen pass back. Uh, we saw in this game they ran a triple option play with him that worked to perfection. I, I, I'm serious. Like, I don't know why we don't do that kind of stuff more often with him because I do. I mean, it's it's like Rant, Antoine Randall L who threw a touchdown in a Super Bowl, mind you, although he played wide receiver in the NFL. It's like as a former quarterback, it's like, yes, I trust him throwing passes, maybe not at the level of a top 10, top 15, even top 20 quarterback. But like the dude knows how to throw a pass. Uh, but this is about Pacheco and CEH. They both got to play behind the same offensive line this game. They were both afforded similar holes, similar opportunities. They both put up good numbers. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 19 carries, 92 yards for a 4.8 average per carry. That's pretty solid. Isaiah Pacheco, however, 11 carries, 63 yards, 5.7 yards per carry. He was averaging at least a yard more per carry, and I think a lot of those yards came from yards after contact, whereas Clyde would squirt through a hole and then probably maybe hit one guy and go down. There were a lot of plays that I won't say he looked dead to rights, but I'm like, yo, Pacheco really made chicken salad out of that chicken excrement that was served up to him right there. Uh, The second part of my argument being, 
I think anyone with eyes can see that Pacheco has the higher ceiling than Clyde at this point. They looked like two different classes of runners. Uh, as I alluded to just now, most of the times when Clyde took the ball, I bless his heart, he took that fumble against the Ravens. He is now two-handing that ball anytime he runs, and I very much appreciate that. If he wants to two-hand that ball, hit a hole and squirt for five yards, he's welcome to do that as much as he wants. Uh, Pacheco, though, there were a number of times he took hits in the backfield, shook a guy. There's a number of times he took a hit after two yards and falls forward for another two or three yards. We saw cuts, jukes, and that ground-moving running that Patrick alluded to in Isaiah mm. Pacheco that Clyde just cannot do. So I think they're a great tandem. I'm I'm, I'm going to push back a, a little bit. I don't I don't know if. Pacheco has the obvious upside. Of course, he has upside, but CEH is proving this year that it's a different CEH. I mean, from years of old. So I I can't really uh, put past CEH film into my brain when I'm evaluating him right now because we are seeing not strokes of genius, but we are seeing very positive games from CEH. We're seeing him after Pacheco like is hitting the ground. CEH is the next one on the field, and he says, I can do that too. And it's almost like it's inspiring him to then be a better running back where he didn't have that competition. He's never had that competition here, and I uh, debatable he never had it at LSU as well. So it's 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 weird because we're seeing a different ceh we're seeing andy reed trust him in the goal line as well like in the red zone we we never saw uh, andy trust ceh in the in the red zone so i still think well i remember in the beginning of the year i said isaiah pacheco was going to surpass ceh i th- i'm actually cool with this being a two-headed monster and them just splitting carries and both of them just they're playing really well and i think that's fine i think it's fine i don't think it's a I don't think Andy ever wanted anybody to be the bell cow because again, Andy Reid's MO this year is have as many weapons as possible and don't let the defense game plan for anything predictable. And this kind of helps that argument. So I don't know if we're going to see Pacheco surpass CH, but man, this is an exciting two headed monster right now. That's very fair. Uh, I would say the one thing I still have to not Clyde on uh, because this is year three, and we keep getting told what fantastic hands he has. Uh, in this game, he had one reception for two yards. <laughs> the bigger speaking one was that drop on, was it third down or fourth down? Wasn't it fourth Ooh, down? It might have been fourth, yeah. Dude, I mean, I'm not going to say that Pat threw like the all-time perfect in the breadbasket pass, but Clyde tracked that ball improperly, did not run his route right, and he just straight up starts running for six before he even has hands on that yeah. ball. Yeah. I mean, dude, that Gotta was catch it. that was six points. That was as easy of a layup as you can ask for in the NFL. And Clyde, lauded for his hands, cannot bring that in. There's a certain level of trust I just can't put in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, not from a lack of opportunities like Pacheco, but just from enough game tape and experience. Now, what were you going to say? Oh, yeah, no, I was, I was going to say, I think that's the last thing that we do need to see from CEH. We do need to see him a, a little more involved in, in the receiving game. And, yeah, if he's going to drop, you know, a pass, Pat's not going to trust him. Pat's going to go to his to surefire Travis Kelsey or now his growing relationship with Marquez Valdez-Scantley and his growing relationship with Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, he's he's lower on that receiving depth chart. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where he is at the end of the season and how he's implemented into this receiving game. Okay, Reese, let's let's finish this up and go to the defense now. Um, we have actually this is a lot to talk about. So Reese, uh, Reese and our my mo is a Super Bowl winning Chiefs team is a Chiefs defense that is average. And Reese, we are we are nearing towards. I'm not going to say we're elite. But we are nearing towards top 10, top 7 defense right now, Reese. We held Leonard Fournette to guess how many guess how many rushing yards, Reese? Actually, guess how many rushing yards you had on on Sunday night that I had? Yeah, how many rushing yards did you have on Sunday night? I had a uh, unless we're counting trips to the beer fridge, I had 0. Right. You had more rushing yards than than Leonard Fournette on oh. Sunday night. Leonard Fournette had negative three rushing yards, Reese. This this Chiefs defensive line. Yeah. Hot take Mondo. It's elite. It's elite. 
It's elite. I know you hate Frank Clark, but Chris Jones is having him a freaking time. George Karloftis is having him a freaking time. And all our rotational players are playing outstanding. I know we don't have an Aaron Donald NFL.com number one out there. I know we don't have a Micah Parsons or a, a, or a Von Miller, but everyone is just playing so in sync right now. We stop Jonathan Taylor. We stop Leonard Fournette. Uh, we stop... Austin Eckler, this rush defense is real, Reese. And what is the one thing that has always been our Achilles heel in the past when we play playoff teams? It is the running game because defenses know they can run it down our throats and just take so much time away from Patrick Mahomes. Not the case anymore, Reese. We have seen elite offenses this year. These aren't fluke offenses. I just named three elite running backs that we have defeated. Reese, what do you have to say about this defensive line? If we're going to be grading the Chiefs interior offensive line as elite, I don't see how we can say that the Chiefs defensive line is comparatively the same tier as the Chiefs interior offensive line. That's why well, I think that our offensive line is number one. I would say our defensive line is eh, top five. Can you be elite if you're top five, though? I yeah, thought, I thought yeah top five's elite. Yeah, why not? I thought we determined that elite was like not just top best three. of any given year. It was kind of like best of potentially the last three to five years. Like last year, the Bills defense ranked number one in the NFL. I don't think we'd call the Bills defense elite. I think we'd say it was the best defense that year, technically. Okay, you and I have different definitions then. I think every year there are elite teams. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm not, I'm, okay, yeah, I'm not saying that we are the, like, the, like, Ray Lewis Baltimore Ravens. No, I'm just saying within every year there are elite teams, just like every year there are elite quarterbacks. Right now, the Eagles are playing at an elite level. Okay. Okay, I, so okay, I, I, think, I understand where you're coming from. I think from. Our, our definitions are, are wrong. I will not force you to change your definition of elite. Uh, I don't think that's... I, I don't have any problems with your viewpoint on that. Um, I will say, uh, I think the defense is playing past expectations, and I think there's a large enough sample size right now to say that I don't think it's a fluke. I think there's a lot of factors playing into this, the most obvious being you've taken away two and a half of the absolute biggest home run liabilities in this play with Dan Sormanson, Ben Neiman, and sorry, Anthony Hitchens being gone uh, and replacing them even with like league average players. I think, you know, you're seeing Cook playing more as a safety. Uh, geez, I can't even remember who else they're, they're shifting into that Dan Sorensen hybrid role. Uh, I think that Willie Gay Jr. getting more snaps from Ben Neiman is an obvious improvement. And even though he's gone right now, uh, Darius Harris stepping in and taking his roles. He's kind of like a gay light. He is far more athletic than Neiman and he still has a pretty good head on his shoulders and an eye for Harris, the ball. Harris got the fumble. Am I correct on that? I believe you're right. Yeah, I think I think it was Harris on special teams that caused the fumble, which which I we also haven't talked about today was the most important play of the game. I mean, the Chiefs playing ahead is incredibly different than the Chiefs playing from behind. Agreed. Uh, I think the last thing I'll add in there is I would say our run defense is better than it has been in years past. And I think we're starting to discover that uh, the offensive line has is playing more cohesively right now. Our linebacker core by and large. I mean, Nick Bolton's a, a year older and he was already pretty good last year. Uh, we have, as I said, a more athletic uh, Mike linebacker, be it either uh, Willie Gay or Darius Harris, and then having that third option rotating in that sometimes Leo Chanel or putting a safety in the box is much more effective at stopping these run games, getting the edge set and not being beat with speed. And I think we've talked about this before, you know, looking back at the uh, 2021 AFC title game against the Bills, where it's like, you know, they, they still got their points on us because that was a good team with, with high quality players, but just when the defense has like average NFL speed and athleticism, you can see what Spags is cooking. And although he might not be Gordon Ramsay, you know, he's certainly better than Gordon Ramsay select from Costco. 
Yeah, uh, shout out to Spags. Our cornerbacks have the most sacks in the NFL right now because of those packages, those blitz packages that he's bringing. And remember, Spags was very conservative last year, and he is not holding back this year. He is bringing in the blitz. He's trusting the 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 middle of the field to make plays if we do blitz and expose those ends and expose the wide receivers. Like things are going really well for the Chiefs. I think the only negative, and it's not really a negative that we can fix, is matchups right yes, like and yes. like when we play Stefan Diggs and we play Josh Allen what Stefan Diggs is going to find Jalen Watson like he like they are going to move Stefan Diggs to Jalen Watson and Jalen Watson and sorry Stefan Diggs is going to have at least two touchdowns for 200 yards against against us yep and that's something that we can't really fix like yes we can double him uh, but then that's going to expose other parts of the field like guys like Mike Evans guys like Mike Williams guys like Stefan Diggs um, even even D- Devontae Adams this week although I don't trust Derek Carr to connect with Devontae Adams um, but guys like that are going to get theirs and I'm okay with that right like if you go back and see what Mike Evans did I I don't fault Jalen Watson for not being able to to guard him I mean Mike Evans is a foot taller than him and incredibly elite athlete and Tom Brady although is losing his skill set still has a big brain he's got that big brain Reese so he knows how to expose and put the ball where it needs to be so that's the only caveat for this team right now we don't have any big bodied cornerbacks that can really match up against these big bodied guys but what are you gonna do I think you made a really good point that's something I wanted to touch down on as well was that I think we're we're getting much better secondary play than we have in years past we have players that are playing faster more aggressive and playing to hit um, the one fault we have, and this is what Spags is choosing to die by, he's put the skill points and speed and athleticism as opposed to having big-bodied secondary. And that's one thing we actually lost with Charvarius Ward, you know, is another big, yeah. long body back there. Because the receivers who have been eating our breakfast this year are big-bodied athletic wide receivers. Mike Evans, Mike Williams. Uh, basically, if your name is Mike, it sounds like you're going to have yeah, a field day on us. <laughs> what the hell? But that, that's why it'll be interesting to watch Devontae Adams against the Raiders this next week is because Devontae's very talented, but he's primarily a route runner. I mean, he's route only runner, about 6'1", right. isn't he? He's not, he's not a yeah, huge he's not, big body He's not receiver. huge, but he is the best route runner in the NFL. He is. So we'll see how our players can keep up with him. Uh, most of the time, you saw Mike Evans picking on seventh-round rookie Jalen Watson, and I don't blame Watson for not being able to match up against Mike Williams. I think Trent McDuffie would have had a better chance and option to do that, uh, but c'est la vie. The big step-up, though, we've seen so far through four games, we've been clamoring on him, and we've been seeing inconsistent flashes over the last two years, but Legereus Sneed, our one big-body cornerback, played like an absolute man against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, recording seven tackles, two assisted tackles, and a sack. Also, later in the game when we had to shut down Mike Evans, we did so on plays Legereus Sneed was guarding him. He blanketed him in the red zone a couple times. So I am very optimistic that kind of our hybrid safety cornerback that we drafted him for, Legereus Sneed, can be that bigger body cornerback to shut down bigger body receivers and even more so when when trent mcduffie comes back mm-hmm. i mean trent legerius and maybe jalen watson is creeping above fenton on the depth chart right now like fenton may be a figment of our imagination in the playoffs and yep. we have like i know jalen watson isn't big but he's scrappy we have those three guys out there with just and justin reed playing really well as well like ooh. Yeah, I, maybe I, the whole defense is not elite, but we are above average now. Hot take, Mondo. Chiefs defense is above average. I, I think that's fair. I will say Chiefs defense is above average because as opposed to years past, you can't really look at a facet of our game that is really like weak. Thankfully, players are playing above expectation levels by and large. We have a resurgence of Chris Jones and Carlos Dunlap. The acquisition is making himself felt. Frank Clark, eh, it's Frank Clark. Uh, but the defensive line is no longer the massive like black hole liability that we thought it was going to be even in the preseason. Uh, so the last thing I want to say is I would like to afford a cold snack take back to <laughs> Chris Jones, number 95. Good. Uh, al- although his talking cost us a game against the Colts, 
Uh, he has played with a higher engine so far this year. He's making his presence felt. He's not quitting after not getting a first take at the quarterback. Uh, he is playing more like one of the best defensive tackles this side of Aaron Donald in the NFL, which is what I was always told he was. I think after the restructuring with Frank Clark, I think he knew the writing was potentially on the wall for him, given how much we're paying him. But if he continues to play at this level and being such an anchor and compliment to rookie George Karloffs in the defensive line, I would be willing to eat the money we owe Chris Jones to keep him as the leader of this defense. Absolutely. I think um, and also having Chris Jones in the interior is also helping George Karloff just become his own because now you can't double George, right? You got to keep your eye on CJ, which then allows George, whose motor is like I've never seen before. I mean, his motor is similar to Micah Parsons, to Von Miller in his prime. I'm not saying they look the same, but I'm saying their motor is very, very similar. So, I mean, I'm so I'm fired up, man. You can't beat this team. I want all all the all the coaches in the NFL listen to our podcast. You can't beat us. We will beat ourselves, and that's it. That is it, man. I'm so fired about this team. We will see you all next week after we play the the Raiders. And uh, uh, something to mention: Andy Reid was like super fired up after this game, and he was like, "All right, have have a great time this weekend." Patrick Mahomes then like interrupts uh, Andy and goes, "Have a great time, but you all know who's 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 coming to town this week, so be prepared." Chiefs on three get ready Raiders we're coming thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media this podcast is brought to you by listener support so consider becoming a friend of the podcast check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to get access to premium content including outtakes exclusive beer reviews and speedy and angry our latest deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise Check us out on social media at Fountain City SM for info on the podcast, crispy memes, and of course, the goings on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for performing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.